Welcome to Back Issues, episode number three. My name's Toby Shaver. I'm here with my brother Dave. What's up, Shavy D? Great to be here, Toby. How's your week going? Awesome, and yours? Pretty good. Enjoying uh, some awesome comics that we're going to talk about later. Did a, did another deep dive on Kingdom Come, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But first, like we always like to do, we want to dip into the geek news of the week. So I've been really excited to talk to you about this, Dave, because I know uh, this is a subject that's near and dear to your heart. It was recently announced that J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot are going to be producing a Constantine movie. So um, it looks like J.J. is going to be just on as a producer. No word yet about directing or writing. Probably won't be him. Um, but he's definitely going to have his hands in it. And I know that uh, you have strong opinions about him you know delving into some of our <laughs> sacred characters in the past but this would be his first kind of i mean not that constantine's really a superhero per se but it would be you know definitely closer to the comic book universe so uh had you heard about this story no i had not um in a roundabout way i guess i had because i've been very concerned as you know uh with you know, being attached to uh, Justice League Dark. I just yeah. really have enjoyed that concept and, uh, you know, where they go with it is important. Um, but, yeah, I'm right in the middle. I, I, I'm, I was so blown away and impressed with the reboot of Star Trek, as you know. Um, the idea of doing it that way, the casting... I mean, it was just a home run. Grand slam. Amazing. And then there was the final trilogy of Star Wars, of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll have to get into that. Uh, um, we can get into that, I guess, as little or as much as you'd like. Um, but... But just as a before we do, let me just say as a general like overall, you know that's I'm just saying that the the juxtaposition of the highest of highs with Star Trek and the lowest of lows with Star Wars. Um, oh, for sure. And again, like I said before, we even get into specifics. Um, so that leaves me, you know, right on the edge and the. The cool thing is, is uh, I think the last time we talked a little bit about, um, you know, the idea of maybe putting uh, um, Michael Keaton as uh, Batman, uh, you know, right. 89 Batman, bringing him back as like an overarching, um, you know, uh, Nick Fury slash uh, Iron Man, you know, type of character. Um, but with Abrams, you know, with him going to HBO Max, I mean, this is obviously if he's going to do Constantine, it's going to be the start of the Justice League Dark thing. So it's it makes sense, um, because it has to set the tone for the rest of it. Um, but it's a biggie, you know, it's a big. 
it's one of those things where he really has to, you know, it has to set the tone for everything that's to come. And I think that's what, you know, again, we can get into the specifics, but that's why uh, Star Wars tanked so bad is that they, you know, paid such fan service in that episode seven, but they established no real story and no real, I mean, you just weren't invested in anybody. Um, yeah. So, you know, but I digress. So I'd say there's probably pretty good odds that, uh, you know, JJ is going to probably try to put Greg Grunberg in that Swamp Thing costume, right? <laughs> yeah, you're you're poking the bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, that, oh, God. He could have been Captain so Kirk. I think we got lucky. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I go back to even, like, I don't know for sure before I even get into that the you know the just the debacle especially of that last episode and his involvement, but the uh, um, do you know how much involvement Abrams had on uh, uh, the Heroes series on television? Uh, Did no, he? No, not really. I mean, I think that okay. he was. Because yeah, Grunberg was, was in that, and he was god-awful. I mean, that was like the first time you had to endure yeah. his ass. <clears throat> but like just subsequently, you know, I just... The, I, the it, little head twitch. little head twitch every time he was oh, raising just somebody's the, mind or controlling oh somebody. Oh, God. What a... <laughs> god. He is the worst actor I have ever seen. Ever. And but again... seriously, like, I could see him making him Swamp Thing and then making the little Australian kid little hobbit kid uh just a real small version of john constantine (laughs) throw a little trench coat on him from the kids section you know what (laughs) oh my god i can't you know what thankfully i can't so it would just be that you know that that it just couldn't happen but oh my god it's we've talked about this before I, i mean i get as you said, you know, if if it was up to you, you would do it. I think when we originally had the discussion, you were like, well, you know, why not? You know, why if it was my friends and, you know, why would I do it? But yeah, like, yeah, I'm not I, I'm not as put off by it as you are, but, you know, I get how that's annoying. <laughs> well, A, you're trying to establish that, you know, suspension of disbelief. So you're putting in, you know, your boys over and over and over and over again. But right. In, you know, you you create like a ridiculous role for Carrie Russell, you know, just to get her in, and then yeah. the basically to put in, you know, to shoehorn in CGI scenes with maybe or CGI enhanced scenes with uh, um, Carrie Fisher and stuff like that. You, you you just keep putting in your guys to like, you know. Y- you have the reins. You're, you're you're responsible for landing the nine episode Skywalker saga, and it's like you and your buddies are in your fucking basement, hashing together, cutting together fucking footage. It's insulting. It was awful. And again, I made I went out of my way to rave about Star Trek. 
because the guy can do good work. But that fucking sucked. It was awful. Eight was better than nine. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, you need the problem is it's it's bad enough when you do like in certain genres, especially like a franchise like that, you want unknowns. That's why it was, you know, when they came in with the first one, at least with you know, Oscar Isaac and Daisy Ridley and these guys, you know, they're, these are new faces that we're not associating with, you know, other roles, which is a good thing. It lets you kind of live in that world a little more easily. You know, so those would be bad ones to cast with people that you recognize. But it's almost worse when they're in these background roles where they're just kind of like you know, an X-Wing pilot standing back there who maybe doesn't even have any lines or anything. That makes it worse because then when you see him, it's like, you know, you're, try, you're trying to be inside I, I felt like it was like a Where's Waldo type of situation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're trying to get into it, and then it's like, is, is, that, is that Charlie from Lost? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, oh, my God, it's awful. Well, and especially, too, in the situation... You know, because it, you're hyper-focused on the fact that it's, you know, a handful of people, the last of the rebels on this base or in this situation, you know. Yeah, that was uh, that was just a bad, bad call. That was a bad, you know. But again, I mean, that was, the whole trilogy was bad because of, the, of I think a lot of people, you know, when you go back and think that people want you know, Han, Luke, and Leia to come back for some nostalgia, but that's all you did it for. I mean, by by pissing all over Lucas's stories, uh, by by declaring that the legends, you know, books and histories and canon were no longer canon. I mean, you just kind of fucked everything up. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of Daisy Ridley as far as you know her acting period but that was just an awful fucking character I mean the character yeah. of Han and Leia's you know daughter in the books is a fucking a fighter a pilot a you know all the things you know that they wanted Daisy Ridley to be or the Ray character to be and you know just failed miserably so it was, I, I just, I mean, that last one, the idea that it's the Skywalker saga and the payoff is that she's going to declare herself a fucking Skywalker. I'm no longer a fucking Palpatine. I am a fucking Skywalker. Hey, Fuck you. It, hey, Fuck you. It's 2020. If she wants to identify as a Skywalker... You need to respect that. All right? Okay. Okay. It's time you know to what? just shut up and listen for a while. <laughs> <laughs> then at least give me one fucking scene with Anakin. At least give me some way to land the effing Skywalker saga. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and oh. you know, like, just the fact, like, here, here's the worst tell in in episode nine just the fact that you bring han solo a, a non 
you know, force sensitive, you know, or Jedi or anything like that, bring him back as a ghost in it. That's just saying, okay, we have not created any new characters that anybody cares about. So we have to bring back one that we know for sure they care about. Even if it's just for, you know, a minute and a half, we got to get them out there. We got to back up the Brinks truck, get Harrison Ford here quickly. (sighs) Exactly. It's so, well, I mean, in that sense, that's the most disgusting thing about the, the, um, see, I mean, that's how Lily resonates. I, I barely can remember his name, but the, uh, uh, the former stormtrooper, uh, Finn, 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 my goodness. I couldn't think of his name for a second. The, uh, I mean, he's a decent actor and that kid, he had he went that character went nowhere he had no story he had i mean that was such a waste of time you know i'm sure he got paid well so that's great oscar isaac he's one of the he's a really good actor but he is at least i mean other than the just 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 cheesery of the whole you know having to shoehorn the carrie russell character in there I, i mean you know he had to be part of that whole travesty but other than that he at least you know he acts so well he's such a good actor that even with nothing to do i still somewhat connected with him i mean that's just that's that's and that's only a commentary on on how good he is but he's so good he was able to actually pull a handbrake move in an X-Wing and just whip that thing around 180 in that one part. <laughs> That's how good he is. Yeah, he's a, I, I've he's... seen people defy laws of physics in these movies, but <laughs> that is one hell of a pilot. <laughs> he's the f- best in the fleet. <laughs> but, yeah, the... Uh... Yeah, that's uh, so. Anyway, so I, I, I again, I, I'm to come back to the to the original question. It can be a great start. It can be a really. I, I, I like I said, I love the storyline. I love the storyline of uh, Justice League Dark, and yeah, you know, you have to have a really strong Constantine to make that work. Um, yeah, as much as I like the TV guy. I think you leave them there. I know there was a talk maybe, you know, six months ago or something like that, that they were entertaining the idea of like bringing him on board for movies and with it going to HBO max, maybe, maybe they're thinking more like it's TV again, but, uh, but I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of like the idea of, you know, somebody with, I don't know, a, a fresh start would be nice. So, yeah, uh, I think I think you gotta so we'll gotta keep it separate. Um, I like him too. Is Matt Ryan? I th- is that his name? I think the guy that plays him. I believe so. Sure. Yeah, in in the Arrowverse, he's awesome, and he's especially perfect for the the tone of those shows. Um, but yeah, I think you got to keep it separate because they're building a whole new thing there, and you know it's got to be. The fact that they're doing Justice League Dark on HBO is, I I'm very optimistic about that because they can you know take it more serious and you know you can't just pluck somebody out of the Arrowverse and throw them into what hopefully that world will be. So yeah, and I'm a bit 
I'm a huge fan of that uh, that whatever it was 13 episode run of that that one one season series that they had. Uh, he did a great job. I mean, uh, his what the bit of voiceover work he's done has been good. Um, yeah, you know, I got again, I got no qualms with him. Um, I just think that you know they got to think in that those ways, especially with this this new format and this new way to go with this stuff. Um, you know, it kind of ties into my whole apprehension with the uh, Green Lantern stuff that they're talking about. Uh, you know, some of the people attached to that are are you know they've had some home runs and they've had some strikeouts, and uh, you know that's another property that's like. Man, if they do it well, it could be amazing. And if they fuck yeah. it up, it's going to be a big steaming pile of shit. And then you got to wait a long time for them to, you know, be able to do something new again with it, or you know, you know, yeah, a fresh take. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the uh, the reception of the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie that set us back a few years for anything yeah. other. You know, any other Green Lanterns to hit the screen. You know. Exactly. But, uh, uh, totally unrelated. Um, just because we're on the topic of news, though, that I did want to say. Um, being that this is back issues and some of it's kind of, uh, you know, blast from the past. Marvel's doing a Ultraman run. Oh, really? Oh, man, I'm so excited. That was like oh, my nice. all-time favorite. I mean, that was great. You know, Johnny Sacco and Giant Robot was like a, you know, yeah. a pretty pretty good second, but like Ultraman was the. F- yeah, five. Ultraman was that the slightly cooler and on less often one. You know, it was like the yeah, one exactly. That, yeah, yeah, we got a little bit more Johnny Sacco, but Ultraman, you know, you didn't see quite as much. But oh yeah, it was so good. So have they done a comic run of it in the past, or is this the first time it's been? I believe this comics? is the very first time. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah, and, and the the one page that I saw, or the image of it, uh, was, uh, I really like the artwork, and, you know, I, I didn't get any names. I don't know who's writing and, and drawing, but uh, it's, uh, it looked good, and uh, they're bringing it forward because it looked like it was, uh, you know, a couple panels from, like, 1966, and then it jumps forward to 2020, so... Oh, I nice. don't know, um, you know how they're going to work it out, but but you yeah, know, they I'm, need I'm pretty, to hit I'm pretty the, pumped. They need to hit the deep cuts. I mean, everybody's taught you know it's always like you know who's the next Batman, who's going to be the next Spider Man, and all this stuff. When there's so much stuff out there, it, you know, I mean, everybody complains about like no new ideas, and they're only making stuff with you know, existing IP, but even the existing IP, there's so much deep stuff in the DC and Marvel universe. You know, they could never make another Superman movie and never run out of stories to tell. I mean, look at guardians of the galaxy. That was a deep cut in Marvel. That was not a household name at all. There were, there's a lot more like well-known superheroes and superhero teams that they could have done before, guardians of the galaxy and you know it became one of their biggest things so you know where is where is that with all the dc stuff you know yeah i mean that's why that's one of the 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 challenges i think that they they'll always face is is uh uh 
you know, we'll get into it when we talk about uh, the, you know, the back issues of the week. But the, uh, you know, the Trinity with uh, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, they're so amazing in and of themselves that, you know, so much of their stories revolve around you know the bad guys they're coming up against and the uh the you know the plan or the or the you know the odds that are stacked against them and how they're they're, they're going to deal with that whereas marvel was just i mean it was a again i, I mean we'll talk about this at a later in a later episode but the, the perfect storm that was the creation of the the uh mcu was just perfect i mean to build with those lesser known characters to 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 take on those deep cuts like uh gardens of the galaxy you're able to put such your own style and artistry to it so then when you get a a gun that can just make this amazingly funny you know swashbuckling adventure um you mix it in with the espionage of your Captain Americas and, you know, the way they were able to build up that, you know, it was almost better that they were denied Spider-Man early and perhaps even like the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. So oh, like, yeah, if, if they if they had been able to make Fantastic Four, they probably wouldn't have made Guardians of the Galaxy. Correct. Know, so they're able to... So the fact that they can you know, just build and build and build and now put these amazing, you know, the icing on the cake type of situation. Whereas, you know, unfortunately with, with DC, you know, even as amazing as I, I feel and, and, and the, the, I just think Spider-Man is one of the greatest characters ever created. But having said that again, there's just nothing like Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman. So, how you tackle them has to be just completely different. Um, and that's why, you know, you're really afforded a great opportunity if you, you could almost have a three-pronged front as far as, you know, if you do Constantine right and you set up a great uh, expansion into the Justice League dark stuff, you can sprinkle in like a Wonder Woman um, from the movies into that or something like that, you know, depending, but whatever. But as long as you're able to like nail that, then couple that with the uh, Green Lantern series, because that's going to be like your Guardians of the Galaxy that expands and, and connects you to the, the, the cosmic type of stuff. Um, yeah. And then last but not least, uh, you have some sort of story. Really, it's almost perfect that you use like a flashpoint, you know, where it's a a resetting of the multiverse type of story um, to bring in like, say, a Michael Keaton, because then you can clean things up, if you will, within the cinematic parts of uh, DC while you're laying awesome groundwork, you know, at HBO Max. And that's how you might be able to tackle, a, um, you know, a, a, 
a DC universe in, instead of Marvel. Because Marvel, again, like I said, we'll talk about it at length in a later episode. But, you know, for 10 years, they really didn't make a misstep. It was just flipping amazing. And they, and they yeah. stuck the landing. Um, and it was, you know, pretty impressive. So, yeah. Agreed. All right, man. Well, let's uh, let's play a game. I've prepared a challenge for you this week, JVD. And what we're going to do, we're going to try this out for a few weeks here. You know, we haven't really determined a flow or a system for how we're choosing the comics that we're going to discuss each week. So what we're going to do is have a competition each week to see who gets to choose next week's books that we're going to read. So in this case, this week I've prepared a game that I like to call top three. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a top three list and you're going to give me your three answers. And then if they match up, if you get uh, the number one answer, you get three points. Number two answer, you get two points. And the number three answer, you get one point. So there's four questions, which means three, two, five, six. That means there's a maximum score you could get of 24. So if you score 13 or above, you get to choose next week's comics. 12 or below, I get to choose. Sound good? Talk about high stakes. Come on. It's exciting. All right, so here we go, Shavy D. Question number one. Need your top three. I'm looking for the top three most expensive comic books ever sold. Top three most expensive comics ever sold. And technically, the top two on this list are the same comic. So we're going to do those two and then three and four on the list, technically. But uh, looking for the top three titles. And you can give me three. You give me three answers. All right. So we'll go uh, Detective Comics 27. Go ahead and give me all three, and then I'll give you the oh, okay. answers after you do it. Uh, okay, so expensive comics of all time. Action Comics number one, Detective Comics number 27, and uh, Amazing Stories number 15. That your final answer? Yep. Okay. All right, coming in four on the list. So for our purposes, three on the list. Detective Comics 27, first appearance of Batman. All well right. done. Nice. All right, so that's one point there. Coming in third on the list, or second for us. Ooh, this is going to be a heartbreaker. We're actually looking for Amazing Fantasy I, you 15. Know what? I First appearance of Spider-Man. I knew oh, it, too. Shady D's going to be kicking himself for that one. I knew it, too. I knew it as I said it, too. And, I, I just didn't. and then the top two spots for three points is, of course, Action Comics number one. Well done. So three points for that one. Ooh. I, I, you know what? I so knew feel, I knew it was fantasy, too. I knew it as soon as the words did. left my mouth. It's the pressure. <clears throat> That's why you got to play the game, people. Yep. 
You you don't know what it's like in the hot seat until Talking you're about actually practice. there. Talking about the game. <laughs> All right, question number two. According to IMDB, which they're basing it on the actual, you know, official film credits, give me the top three billed actors in Justice League. Top three build actors in Justice League. Wow. Nice. I'm going to say... I mean, you, you basically want them in the order. Yeah, top three. Okay, gotcha. The... Well, you don't necessarily have to have them in order. You get three guesses. Oh, okay, right. Um, so, uh, Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> Affleck. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Henry Cavell and... Um, Jeremy Irons, I'm going to say. Ooh, some out-of-the-box thinking. Maybe maybe going off of cachet, street cred. Yeah. There, or he probably has a good agent. Get him up there. I was thinking agent was where my angle was. Okay. It's half their job. All right, so uh, Aflac was actually top build, so that's three points there. Nicely done. Henry Cavill was second build. Nicely done there as well. Two points. And then third, you said Jeremy Irons. The correct answer is actually Amy Adams. Oh, I, I, if I, I yeah. should not. I, I didn't, I didn't, she wasn't in my mental you Rolodex. Ta- I, I, you didn't take the Wonder Woman bait, which was good. A lot of people would have just, yep, you know, yep. gone Gal Gadot for sure. That was fool's so gold. I knew, I, right. I knew that's what you were trying. I, I completely yeah. forgot about Amy Adams. That that sh- I would have, yeah. I I may have even put her at two. Yeah, you know, yeah, but, for sure. You know, because because of street um, street cred, as you said. Yeah. Although I don't know, I, I'm actually kind of surprised she's three in Justice League. You know, I mean, definitely Batman v Superman. But, I mean, even though she had a very pivotal part in Justice League, I don't know necessarily that I would have had her third build. Yeah, but she was in Man of Steel. She's been, she's been laying groundwork since the beginning of this. You know, when it was still so yeah okay. Snyder so she got some used, legacy points, right? Building the universe, you know, whatever. So okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, all right. Question number three. This is a tough one here. I'm still pissed about Amazing Fantasy. I'm. Yeah, I, I'm sure. You know I'm my sure. love of Spider-Man, and uh, All right. Well, this is a chance so to redeem yourself. This this one's a little out of the box here. So what I'm looking for now is the top three selling individual comic book issues of all time top three selling and this is a little bit more challenging so i'm gonna accept just the 
Just the title. You don't have to give me issue numbers on these ones. In the sense of top selling. Like, like literally copies sold. So obviously you can rule out most of the stuff we bought because it was before they, well, I should say most of the stuff we bought early because it was back when they didn't sell nearly as many and then they started right. you know, cranking, well, out, cranking out millions. The reason I ask for clarification is because there's that one issue of early X-Men that, like X-Men number one, that's just was everywhere. Um, and I don't know that it... The ver- yeah, I had like variant covers of that one. I, I know the one you're talking right. about. Right, you know, but, and half of those I, mean, I think were free. It's a... You know, so yeah, I so, mean, it's it it's a comic, so it counts. Right. Uh, I would say that one. Um, Spawn um, was huge for a little while um, when things blew up as far as sales. Um, I mean, is that kind of what you're looking for? Just basically like a another title like that? like. Yeah, you can just give me the title. You don't have to give me like the specific run or the number or anything. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll say... Oh, you know what? Um... Well, I wonder like if Death of Spite or Superman would be, you know... What? Could be. I mean, I, I mean, also I mean... would have guessed... Is that, I'll give you one that I would have I would have thought like the uh, Spider-Man Mary Jane wedding would have been on. I remember that was a really big one. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely Death of Superman would be eligible. I mean, but I'm that, not swaying you one way or the other. But yeah, that type of yeah, thing. Any, yeah, any any issue. Yeah, I guess I'll go with... Uh, actually, I'll use yours. I like that. I'll say the Mary Jane wedding. I'll say the Death of Superman. And I'll say the... Uh, um, um, actually, I retract the spawn. What was the first one I said? Uh, X-Men. X-Men, number one. Okay. All right. Okay. Fine, fine, fine guesses there. So, first of all, I wouldn't have given you the Spider-Man Mary Jane one if it was actually one of the three. I was just... I actually <laughs> said, oh, that's what I would have guessed. <laughs> Fair enough. But Fair I, enough. I appreciate well, it. Well, I wasn't <laughs> thinking that... I wasn't really thinking about you having them sitting in front of you. I was more thinking of it like <laughs> almost like a... You know, one of those old. Uh, remember the old. Uh, oh, like if I had if family on the feud other side of a card or something like that. Yeah. Where you had to like, like you didn't even yeah. know what it was. You had to pull the thing out of the right. way, and you're like, oh yeah, I guess that's what the fuck it was. Yeah, I wish I had that, but I could just be playing along. <laughs> right, here. right. Better. Yeah, my bad. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm a sucker. So, um, so actually, number one, you were dead on your first guess. It was that exact X-Men number one that you were talking about. All right, cool. By far. So yeah. It sold 8,186,000 yeah. copies. Shit like, ton. Yeah, yeah. Um, second place, you know, way down at a million was a Star Wars number one from 2015. Oh. So it was like right... Leading up to Force Awakens was when they started right. a new series, and that's interesting. I, I wouldn't like have guessed that at all. Yeah, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Um, but it makes sense that it's more yeah. of these, you know, more modern ones. But then um, number three and four on the list are really interesting because number three is Fantastic Four number sixty from two thousand two, 
and it was sold for nine cents because number four on the list was Batman the Ten Cent Adventure from 2002 <laughs> number one so in early 2002 DC put out a 10 cent version of Batman a series for a little while and then like six months later Marvel did nine cent you know and called it <laughs> called it the cheapest the cheapest comic book in the world or something world's cheapest comic uh, book or something like that good times and uh yeah so good times and it sold 750,000 copies. So can you imagine how much they lost? How much that cost them? Yeah. You know, because if they're selling it for nine cents, they're losing money on every... Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm anxious to look up some of these things that you've talked about. Like, uh, it made me think... I mean, because I know Spawn was a big seller when it was... You know, at the oh, height of his sure. po- its popularity, and I wonder if there was a. Well, let's episode. see. Round, rounding out that list, there's a Ultimate Spider-Man on there next, an Amazing Spider-Man from 2014. Like a lot of these, I think were were ones that came back later. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a Secret Wars, a newer Secret Wars that came out in in 2015. The uh, Barack Obama issue of Amazing Spider-Man from 2009. <laughs> nice. That's number eight on the list. So, yeah. So it's mostly newer stuff now that they've just mass-produced everything. You know, right? We'll never have the age back that we had where stuff was actually rare and you had to had to get it on on day one. So, all right. Question number four. You know, you're not. You're not. Uh, you're not quite in the in the money yet, but we'll see how this pans out. Question number four, and we were actually just kind of talking about this a little bit, so it should be fresh in your brain. I have a list of the top grossing worldwide box office for all the Marvel movies. Now, the top four on the list are the four Avengers movies. So we're going to start after that. So we're going to start with five. So I'm looking for five, six, and seven. Okay, and the, by the two Avengers, it's just the regular Avengers and the Avengers. Uh, um... No, just just for context. No, Avengers Endgame is is number one, grossing, and we're talking worldwide box office. Infinity War is two. Um, original Avengers is three, and Age of Ultron is four. Age of Ultron. Okay. So, gotcha. So after all of the Avengers ones, we're going five, six, seven. So that's what we're looking for. Okay, I'm going to say Black Panther. Okay. I'm going to say... Civil War. Um, And I'm going to say... for sure but I'm going to go with Ragnarok Ragnarok alright uh, number 5 okay. yeah I was a little I'm a, I'm a little iffy on Ragnarok I feel pretty good about the other two but go ahead okay so number 5 you nailed it Black Panther nice grossed 1.3 billion worldwide god they just printing the money insane that's <laughs> crazy um number seven you actually got 
Captain America Civil War. So there's a point there. But number six was Iron Man 3. Really? Iron Man 3 grossed 1.2 billion worldwide. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's not... uh, you know, it was a little lower domestically, like Captain Marvel beat it domestically. Um, I think maybe um, Thor almost did. No, Thor was down there a little bit. Ragnarok was 12th overall. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't so sure on that Spider- one. Sp- both Spider-Man movies were were in there above Ragnarok. Captain Marvel was above Ragnarok. So, All right, so we're going to tally up the scores here. Remember, you need... 13 to win. Boy, it's going to be and close. You finish with a respectable 16 points. Nice. Nicely done. So Shavy D will be choosing our topic of discussion for, for next week's back issue. So go ahead and, uh, and uh, stew on that. Think about it. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be right back with Kingdom Come. Welcome back. This week on Back Issues, we are going to talk about Kingdom Come from DC Comics from back in 1996. This one came out, written by Mark Wade and Alex Ross, with beautiful artwork by Alex Ross. This was one, Shavy D, that I missed really the first time around. I never read it when it first came out. I did, I was aware of it and much appreciated the art. Like, I remember having, like, some things... Like I think I had a poster at one point that I got just because it was so beautiful. You know, the artwork, every page of this thing is gorgeous. But uh, I hadn't read it originally, so this was a fun one for me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Alex Ross is just a legend. I mean, he is just, you know, I mean, that word. He, 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 you, you look up legend and, and there he is. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I did read it back in the day, but that's the thing. I mean, you make a good point because it's so amazing visually. You know, I, I read it then and I haven't, I hadn't read, read it again since. And so all of my memories were visual memories. So diving back in and really getting into what an amazing story that, that went along, you know, or, or those images went along with. Let's say hand yeah, so hand this with... one is under the Elseworlds label, and you know, kind yep. of to set the scene for the story, you know, our kind of our, I guess, narrator for the story is a character named Norman McKay, and he's not a character that I I remember being in anything else. I'm pretty sure this. Um, this and you know any stories that spun off from from this are the only time we've seen him. So he's a preacher that's basically, you know, kind of 
uh, helping the character Sandman at, at end of life. And there's visions that I'm unclear on, you know, whether the visions were supposed to be for Sandman and they were passed along to this preacher or if they actually came from Sandman. But basically they're, they're visions of, you know, kind of this, this cataclysmic event coming. And then at some point he's swept away. The, uh, Sandman dies. And then uh, this preacher, uh, Norman McKay, is swept away by the specter. And basically he's saying, I'm going to take you around and show you the shit hitting the fan around the DC universe right now. So he's kind of takes him into the future. It's 10 years into the future at this point. And basically the superheroes we know and love have, you know, either retired, been killed or kind of gone into hiding, um, you know, based on stuff that went down. So you want to step in on babbling a lot, Shavy D, feel free to take over at any point. It's great. I mean, it's such a good story. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I love the way it starts. It kind of sets that whole, you know, apocalyptic, prophetic visions thing. Um, and, you know, once the specter gets involved, you know, there's there's just a... I've just so loved that character ever since, especially uh, Crisis. Um, you know, there's just that, that kind of omnipresence and everything about it and uh yeah it was just a great way to kind of start it off and then um you know we'll get into the specifics as we go but it's it's uh you know you're reminded of what a you know just how much this series resonates in so much stuff today you know yeah um yeah you know from the the you know the black uh on the superman logo to you know mm-hmm. to, to so much else that's uh you know that spilled forward from that but uh but yeah i like yeah, that definitely I like, other uh, stories have borrowed from it and you yep. know there's a lot of these else world stories whether it's you know this is the kind of story that that laid the groundwork for stuff like even injustice later which you know went like way deeper but it is kind of one of those stories that poses this question about you know what if what if these superpower beings you know go unchecked you know is this something that that could go wrong or what if they don't do enough because we're you know where we find our our heroes in this is basically superman's gone into hiding you know the world that we know from from the dc universe kind of led to there being these metahumans that that went ahead and killed and used any force necessary to, you know, serve, you know, their version of justice. So it was, you know, them going too far. And, you know, at one point there's this, um, what is his name? Uh, Magog is, is this character that basically, you know, after the Joker, you know, blows up the Daily Planet, kills everybody, including Lois Lane and everyone, you know, Superman loves. This character, Magog, who is a, you know, quote-unquote hero, ends up killing him, you know, because that's kind of the the tactic, you know, this new breed of metahumans is taking. And, you know, kind of the world accepts that and kind of decides that, 
you know, Superman and Batman with their moral code of not of not killing isn't really what they want anymore. Right. Well, that's a I mean, it's again, it's one of those great commentaries when you go back and revisit it on, you know, similar to how there was a lot of things in Red Sun, the comics that really spoke to what was happening at the time and then taken forward, you know, the ills that that could cause. And to be quite honest with you, you know, a lot of those ills, you know, have come to pass. But it's eerie, to be quite honest with you, how much, you know, of Kingdom Come was prophetic as well. I mean, oddly enough, you know, it's written as a, you know, uh, Spectre taking McKay through a, you know, a prophetic experience, but uh, just the idea of everything having to be amped up to a whole nother level. The idea of, like you said, the Magog character, uh, you know, not willing to, to seek justice without, uh, you know, violence, but not only that, but taking it to the level of actually, you know, taking him out, being judge, jury, and executioner. Um, I mean, it's really, like you said, it's kind of the precursor to injustice in the sense of, you know, in this one, Joker goes too far and Superman stops himself from, you know, wanting to take matters into his own hands. And injustice, obviously, he does, <laughs> you know, but the, right. uh, but the, uh, you know, what was so important with this one was just the idea of, you know, the, the impotence of that, you know, the, the idea that he felt the need to check out at that point, you know, um, I mean, obviously, you, you know, I think early on, you know, that first time that, uh, uh, you see, uh, Diana come out to visit him, um, on the farm right. or the, you know, the, whatever you want to call that, the, uh, so he's, uh, You know, just the the idea of the world passing you by and the fact that, that uh, you know, people, you know, what, what once stood sometimes no longer stands. And, uh, you know, that's a really interesting part of that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And what we find, you know, at this point, we, we find Superman who's, who's kind of isolated himself. Uh, at the Fortress of Solitude, but he has, you know, basically a holographic version of of life on the farm. Sadly, we find out later that it's because Kansas has pretty much been blown off the map. You know, there was some kind of battle where Captain Adam gets ripped open and, and basically explodes uh, most of the Midwest, unfortunately. So... You know, Clark's farm that that Diana comes to visit him on is just kind of a holographic image. But then they also show us that, like, you know, the the ones that you want to still have some hope, you know, Green Lantern, Flash, Hawkman, you know, they're all doing their kind of thing. They're separately, but, you know, they're taking care of business. Flash is, you know, basically the way they describe it is just protecting his city and just running nonstop. Nobody ever sees him. He, he just is running so fast 
that he's solving even like the smallest problems. So instead of slowing down and living a life and and being under scrutiny, he's now not only is he saving everybody, but he's like, you know, helping people who lock their keys in their car and he's doing right. you know every right. every little possible thing he can do Gra- grabbing um, a fork as it drops off the table and putting yeah it exactly that so, type of thing. so everything yeah. possible so i mean at some point obviously we know that that they're going to be called back into action yeah i like that i think that that's one of the greatest things that this one this little series did was the uh generational divide I mean, right. not only were each of those characters, you know, like you said, just kind of continuing in the ways that they saw that they could continue in, but, you know, it, a lot of it stemmed from different places. You know, it was kind of simultaneously a thing of we're a little lost in in you know almost the same way superman is not from the the loss that he you know endured but the idea of you know the generational divide or the idea of being you know passed by um i think each of them you know may have still felt that as well on an individual level but but the you know they also had to deal with the you know kind of feeling abandoned by superman so therefore right. you know there was a you know, I'm, they couldn't help but kind of be, you know, one against the world type of thing, or you know. So. Well, he's supposed to be the one that's the symbol of hope and has kind of been the the unif- you know, the great unifier, you know. Yeah, it ties it together. So when Superman finally snaps out of it and gets the band back together, you know, they show up, which is actually an awesome scene where they show up because one of the you know, quote unquote, newer heroes is uh, America Mando. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like he's, uh, you know, I'll stop all the refugees at the border. You know, we don't have enough enough land as it is. You know, we've lost the Midwest. We don't have room for anybody else. And it's like this just if Thanos and Donald Trump had a baby, it would be American <laughs> America Mando. <laughs> And then, you know, but the league comes out of retirement and, you know, takes care of business and everything. But the governments of the world are not uh, not super happy with this because, you know, they've become accustomed at this point to, you know, superheroes who will kind of, you know, do whatever has to be done, not necessarily have a have a moral compass like like we know Superman and Batman to have. So that's when we kind of see see what Batman's been up to all this time, which is uh, pretty interesting. So Batman's kind of taken, taken a different approach. He's still not going to um, kill. You know, he's true to, to his code in this story. But he's also not necessarily really trying to stop the new guys at this point either. He's trying to work, you know, almost within that system. You know, whereas Clark and the gang are coming back somewhat to try to stop it by force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, well, that's what, uh, they did a great job with establishing, uh, you know, Bruce and uh, Ollie and uh, um, uh, Dinah and uh, and then it was who, 
Blue Beetle. Uh, um, yeah, you know, set so, cords so, with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So basically all the humans that were, um, but were also heroes. So they really were, um, in their own ways, you know, straddling that line. So, um, you know, the, I think by now in the in, in the comics they had established, you know, one of the things that I just loved throughout was the theme you know that it picks up on as as uh, you know the the older generation, like you said, they had a code. So therefore, when they were, you know, when the human beings were, you know, allowing them to to shoulder so much responsibility in in protecting them and caring for them and all those things, you know, there was a you know they felt that they were coming from a, 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 a the right kind of place and so it made it even easier to to let down their guard and then all of a sudden went like you said when there's not somebody like superman at the top that that you know is willing to to really stand on principle then you know it just boils down to you know power is going to dictate what goes on and then you know it it, it spins you know spins out of control in that you know by the by the second if not for sure by the third generation you know so um so yeah so i think they do a really good job you know and again with with that just amazing art by alex ross it's like so much gets conveyed you know and the images tend to be you know a little larger a little more epic and all those things so you know it's just it's just so incredible you know how just how vital those images are to the storytelling you know with a story that's already just out of this world you know quality as it is so um, yeah 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 so you know and I don't I don't want to spoil too much about how this one ends because you know i think everybody needs to read this but you know obviously the villains get involved too (laughs) all all the all the heavy hitters that we know and love are in this story as well um lex luther is running the mankind liberation front which you know at one point again you know no spoilers but you know, Batman's kind of involved over there as well. And there's a brief time where we see him, you know, uh, seemingly, you know, working with, with Luther. Well, that's one of the things. It's funny because I I did notice, and I don't know, you may have very well picked up on it as well, but in these first couple episodes that we've done, you know, the 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 comics that we've chosen to, to go back and revisit have some of those common themes. You know, just mm-hmm. the idea that, uh, and this was was one of the first that I think just just so beautifully encapsulated it. But like, just the idea of the human, you know, the 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 human race being responsible for its own destiny, and their, uh, you know, everything from the you know the one comment in Red Sun where Superman is kind of you know, um, pondering the question of, you know, if I, if I had never landed here, you know, 
would Luthor have have taken his brilliance and done amazing things for the human race instead of just using it, you know, to so much, uh, you know, try to design things to destroy me and, you know, just those. Well, he certainly you know, would have spent that. more time with the wife. Exactly, we've already established that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but even in that one, you know, there were, you know, Batman was willing to take some information from him to to make things happen and. You know, and again, no spoilers with this one. It you know, um, they do a wonderful job of layering it and such. And it's uh, you know, sometimes uh, you know the the uh, what is it? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, right. That, that right. always is interesting. So yeah, and this uh, I mean, it definitely explores some other themes too that are still you know kind of relevant because at, at one point you know basically superman has a a metahuman prison that just you know it's just kind of you know he kind of takes the tack of we're either gonna go because kind of where the world has ended up at this point before the og justice league shows back up is you know all the metahumans even the ones that are heroes are are spending more of their energy trying to establish dominance amongst each other and who are the most powerful and fighting amongst themselves as well as you know whatever whatever good that they might be doing but you know clark kind of or actually at this point he gets pissed if you call him clark (laughs) yeah apparently after lois died yeah it's just cal you know, and Batman does not comply with this whatsoever. He calls him Clark probably even more than he normally would, <laughs> which is great. Oh, Batman um, was great in this one. For yeah, sure. yeah, he's very good in this one. Um, but, uh, you know, he's kind of taken the approach with with these metahumans that are out there now that, you know, you can either join us, you know, and we'll kind of retrain you and you know, to do things the right way, or we're going to throw you in a deep hole and just leave you there. Um, and, you know, when, when all those super powered beings get an opportunity to try to get out of that hole, you know, the government's response is pretty much to nuke it. So, you know, this leads to this big, kind of moral dilemma and that you know that's the stuff that you know i don't want to really go into too deep but i mean it's just so well written and it's it's funny that even i mean this is a book that's almost 25 years old now and thematically it feels so fresh it feels like ripped from the headlines almost yeah it's a and it's a it's a and it's amazing bridge between you know the books of the 70s and 80s and you know like you touched on earlier the injustice thing i mean just the idea of you know superman in this one in kingdom come there's such still the embracing of you know all human life is sacred and you know even the meta humans and stuff we're gonna we're gonna convince them we're gonna we're gonna our way is the right way and through time and effort and even if it kills us we're gonna we're gonna do things the right way for for the sake of things um 
and I really love it. You know, it's 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 especially now coming back and revisiting it, having uh, read some of Injustice. Um, you yeah. know, and the idea of you know if Superman went all the way to the point of killing himself. You know, being the the executioner himself, that's a line where you know he loses his shit. Whereas in this one, you know, he is a, you know, he has belief in his system the whole time, and even as Diana, you know, is losing her shit, you know, there's still a, you know, there's still that tension and that you know wanting to be held to a higher standard. Um, you know, and it just, oh, it was just handled so beautifully. And, yeah, and like you said, when you think of the fact that it's almost 25 years old, it's, uh, they did nice work. And like well, you and said. It's why, it's why when you get pushed to the point of, you know, aneurysm almost, when you get angry at, you know, some of the things that they do with Batman sometimes, it's because, you know, that is one of the things that we love about these characters is that, that they are they have a moral compass you know a a better one than we would probably have and it it makes me think of i don't even remember which specific it's one of the famous ones but it's a sentiment that that is throughout a lot of them but like there's one i think where he even specifically says you know referring to the joker like how many people have i murdered by letting you live you know so it's like you know here's this character that's that's so so committed to that moral compass that he knows that by not killing more people are going to die but he still doesn't bend on that uh yeah i was actually reading a book a couple years ago called uh batman and philosophy and it uh kind of got into the whole argument of uh you know by not taking out the joker you know how many innocent lives are you sacrificing but you know you're basically sacrificing your your code or your ethics by by crossing a line that you can't cross so it's interesting but uh but yeah i mean like you said I, I, there's just such a a love and respect for these characters and i think that uh and i don't know i'm sure you know people have made this comparison many times before but you know especially the 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 whole really the whole DC pantheon, but you know, particularly Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. You know, they really are kind of, you know, our Greek gods of today. You know, um, right? You know, the thing about the Greek gods is they weren't, you know, like, you know, quote unquote, like gods of religion. You know, they were they were basically like things that were created by people to represent, you know, their own strengths but also very much their own weaknesses you know the, the the great stories of zeus and all these other people or these other you know greek gods were you know stories of great successes but also like great failures or or better yet you know great failure or great successes within you know while making failure you know yeah you you get my point but anyway um, you know so that therefore, sounds like an awesome book you have to send me info on that i would very much like to read that yeah yeah for sure it's really good it's really good as a matter of fact like i said they've done a few ones on other you know fictional characters but uh but yeah i uh i don't know if anyone's ever done a book on the whole comparison between 
the heroes in the the Greek pantheon, but they should. They should. Maybe we need to write that one. Maybe. I'm I'm down with I that. I love I love um one of the one of the fun things about in in this story the Clark Bruce relationship they're old men kind of at this point, you right. know. And it's not like I mean even though at some points in the story they're on different sides of of the conflict but it's fun to watch them because it's not as contentious it's not batman v superman where they're trying to kill each other or dark knight returns where they're trying to kill each other all the time but i love um (laughs) that they know each other better than almost anybody so he knows you know when he says the th- when he's trying to get under his skin when Clark's trying to get under his skin and he says like you know at the end of the day you're just a scared little boy trying to stop two bullets or whatever right. and it's like <laughs> that's perfect because you know there's you know Batman has like arch enemies you know he has the Joker that would love to be able to get under his skin as much as Clark can just by saying something like that, you know? Oh yeah. Those are uh, through everything, through every, whether it's television, film, comics, cartoon, you know, whatever it is, uh, the, the relationship between specifically Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne, you know, but Batman and Superman is just awesome. I mean, it's just, it's so rich and there's so much that you can, you can write out of there that it's, it's, yeah, this one, they, they, they did a particularly good job with this one. And again, you know, as good as that one is when you can add, you know, a really interesting dynamic with Diana as well, it, it just, you know, it's that much richer. So it's, it's. Yeah, this was this was absolutely a home run. Yeah, and this is you know I'm as far as Superman go like there's always kind of this debate among you know hardcore DC fans if Clark should be with Lois or if he should be with Diana, and I'm I'm always Team Lois because I just think that's part of that's part of the Superman mythology. You can't have that without Lois, but this book, this book sets it up very well. If you just kill Lois, then it opens the door for, you know, us to just be okay with, with Clark and Diana, you know? Right. Well, and you know what, but, and, but that's a great point too, because that's, it's a, it's a completely different, you know, there's a richness to the idea of, that being one more level of them starting over, you know, hmm. not only, you know, it, it, in some of the more recent movies, you know, where, you know, maybe there's an initial coupling or at least attraction between uh, Superman and Wonder Woman, you know, there's in this one where there's a loss, you know, where there's the, you know, that was his true, at least he felt you know, in his most, you know, hurt and damaged part, um, you know, he thought he had lost that connection to humanity. Therefore, you know, not wanting to be called Clark, wanting to be called Cal. Um, so then when he got with Wonder Woman, 
you know, the idea of, you know, that happening after his life with Lois is even more, you know, like a, a rebirth type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it's it, it's so rich and it's so there's just such a, a, a gravitas to, to, to those images, you know, so to have a story that just speaks to those kind of levels of, of, you know, love and loss, if you will. And then yeah. to see it, you know, and just to see it on the page as well. It's uh, yeah, it was great. It's a, just a great story. So we'll definitely have to down the road, um, you know, it might be a two episode endeavor, but we're definitely going to have to tackle injustice because there's so many of the same kind of themes and ideas in it that that are yep. just taken a different way. So th- this is fun to talk about. So we'll do that one in the future. But uh, yeah, so definitely, you know, if you haven't done it, it's it's on the DC Universe app right now. Go go check out Kingdom Come or, you know, even better, if you have any actual comic book stores that are allowed to be open right now in your neighborhood, you know, go support them. Grab, grab Kingdom Come and uh, follow us. That's going to wrap up another episode of Back Issues. But if you want to keep tabs on what we're going to be reading next and talking about and uh, also just seeing you know other fun stuff that crosses our mind follow us on facebook at back issues follow us on instagram at shaver bros shaver b-r-o-s and uh hey thanks for listening shavy d any final thoughts this week no i just uh had a great time as always uh looking forward to uh to next week and um and hope everybody has a has a safe and wonderful week All right, thanks for listening, everybody.